0: You set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened. In 1969, 14 black student-athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism.
1: We were really protesting our treatment on the field.
0: Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
1: This is A Word, a new podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Residents of Mississippi's capital endured weeks this winter without clean running water. Imagine waking up thinking it's raining outside.
0: I could probably capture some water to flush my toilets.
1: Water access is an issue for thousands of black communities in and outside of rural America. Now, some activists want to put this at the center of a racial equity agenda, a fight for water justice next on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. A combination of bad weather and failed infrastructure meant thousands of people in the mostly black city of Jackson, Mississippi spent weeks without clean water in February and early March. Residents had to rely on donated water for everyday tasks. Jackson resident Kehinde Gaynor documented his family's experience in a video. We can't use the water to brush our teeth. We can't use it to wash up or wash our face. Maybe wash our hands, with some hand sanitizers behind it, um, we can't use it to clean out dishes that have been sitting in the dishwasher. Um, we can't use it to cook. Um, we can't drink it. While well, it seems like Jackson's immediate water crisis is getting resolved, many black communities in the rural South and elsewhere struggle to get access to clean water every day. It's a complicated problem that doesn't get the same national attention as other racial justice priorities or the latest black person who's been killed in a viral video. One woman who is working to change that is Catherine Coleman Flowers. She's the author of Waste, One Woman's Fight Against America's Dirty Secret, and a winner of a 2020 MacArthur Genius Grant. Welcome to the show, Catherine.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: What are some of the issues with infrastructure, communication and government that led to this happening in Jackson, Mississippi, which is actually a state capital.
2: What is in Jackson is not unusual. I, I believe that what we will find in a lot of these areas, especially in the in the South, is a type of benign neglect of these cities. That benign neglect means there's, to me, is an intentional uh, avoidance of putting the type of of dollars in infrastructure, a lot of whom, you know, in these Southern communities, it's not coming from the tax base because the tax base is not there. A lot of it comes from the federal government, but it's those cities that have lobbyists or political connections that get the money over and over again. And we have to change that paradigm. One of the things that I had the opportunity to do um, with the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force last summer was to talk about environmental justice and how do we make sure that infrastructure dollars get to black communities too and get to communities that have been denied it for so long. And in Jackson, one of the things that I read about Jackson when the mayor was quoted, he talked about how brittle the pipes were. I mean, the infrastructure that was probably put in Jackson was put in there when Jackson was white, (laughs) predominantly. And it probably has not been replaced and the local community cannot afford to replace it. But we have to do something about this, because this is not, Jackson is not the only one. It's like with Flint and the and the lead problem. Flint was just a, the canary in the coal mine. There's lead issues throughout the United States that have not been addressed. And likewise, there are infrastructure, water issues throughout, throughout the United States. Uh, when you look at Jackson, the Jackson was also the convergence of poor infrastructure and climate change. And we're gonna see more climate events but these extreme weather patterns are going to expose, like COVID did, all these disparities as it relates to to infrastructure issues.
1: Have you seen climate change make clean water access even harder for rural Black communities?
2: Yes. Um, in California, Allensworth in the Central Valley. I mean, uh, because of the water uh, being, you know, used by the the, uh, the farming industry there. You know, sucking the water up out of the ground. Uh, there, there's a black community uh, that that historically was the first black community in California funded by black folk. And now they can't drink the water because the water is full of arsenic that's naturally forming, but the arsenic is, is uh, the parts of the arsenic is greater than the parts of the water. So therefore they can't drink it.
1: So when it comes to this kind of activism, right? We 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 always hear about famous white women. They get movies. We have Silkwood, we've got Aaron Brockovich, but we don't hear often about the black women who are on the ground doing this kind of work. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you saw in Louds County, Alabama, and how your activism began on environmental justice issues.
2: Well my activism began on environmental justice issues because I came from activist parents as coming from an activist family. We just the t- tools that you picked up for addressing problems. And when I moved back to Lyons County in 2000, and I ran into the fact that there were black people that were being arrested because they could not afford an on-site septic system. A lot of the people that are in rural communities are not in incorporated areas. So all the laws are written to uh, support municipalities. But in a rural community generally there's no wastewater treatment, no decentralized system. Like if I live in Montgomery, Alabama, so in Montgomery, Alabama we have a decentralized system and all I have to do when I bought a house is, you know, just move into the house and pay for to have my water turned on. Or if I was building a house in Montgomery, it would just connect to the decentralized system. However, in rural communities like Lowndes County, the homeowner is responsible for their own decentralized systems. And these systems um, in Lowndes County, especially in places like that, are very, very expensive, especially a poor family. To give you an example, last year we were trying to work with the family uh, prior to COVID to get a septic system for them. And they dug down 25 inches in this case and struck water. Um, and the system that she would have needed would have cost $28,000. And that means that you don't go to the bank and, and borrow twenty, even if it's six thousand for a septic system. There's no financing for it. And the mobile homes come with the plumbing, the indoor plumbing, the toilets, and they you can connect it to a straight pipe or PVC pipe and have it protruding from the home. And when they flush the toilet, it goes out on top of the ground. That's 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 one of the the things. And they have criminalize that here in the state of Alabama and in a lot of states. Then the second uh, problem is people that have septic systems that have failed. And when they fail, they can also be criminalized for that. In the way, uh, I got involved back in 2002. I had gone to visit a family that had been cited for arrest. Actually, they had been arrested. It was a husband and wife had been arrested because they had a failing septic system. And then later we found out that there were lots of people in the county that either had already been arrested or were facing arrest because they did not have a working septic system. So I got involved by by stopping the criminalization, at least in Lowndes County, stopping the criminalization of poor people who could not afford on-site um, sanitation.
1: It would seem to me also that this is a structural issue because as black folk were segregated or kept out of certain neighborhoods in certain places in the South, they weren't able to live in places that were incorporated that had plumbing systems. So you're not only being punished through white supremacy and segregation forcing you out, but you're then being fined and criminalized again when you have to provide resources for yourself that other people are getting through tax money.
2: Yes, but I think we gotta keep in mind that in these unincorporated areas where a lot of us are living, because you know Montgomery at one point was one of the, the uh, top slave trading places in this country when they ended the importation of slaves from outside of this country. So that is why the lynching memorial, the National Memorial to Peace and Justice is located in Montgomery. When you walk from the river in Montgomery and walk down Commerce Street, those buildings, a lot of them were slave holding pens and people were auctioned off at Court Square, which is not far from the Rosa Parks Museum. So those of us that um, that are part of that heritage where our families ended up in places like Niles County. So when I go back and look at the census records and I see that our families have been there since, you know, the early 1800s in some cases. So these rural communities, there's a legacy and traditions where there are churches and schools and graveyards, you know, where people have been there forever. But when infrastructure came in, I think there was neglect of these communities where they were the communities that got it then were the communities that were not communities of colors and the communities that were left out were those communities of color and and that is um, a major problem that we see in the south around infrastructure and environmental justice.
1: We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more on environmental justice with Katherine Coleman Flowers. This is a word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned.
0: Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism.
1: We were really protesting our treatment on the field.
0: Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when you did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
1: You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking about clean water access with author and activist Catherine Coleman Flowers. This is something that I I think is is really critical here as we expand outside of the United States. I know this is going to sound a little silly. I'm a sci-fi kind of person. There was a James Bond movie several years ago called Quantum of Solace. And the whole plot was about the villain. Instead of trying to create a giant laser or a bomb to take over the world, he was trying to get access to clean water because he predicted that the wars of the future would be fought over access to clean water. If these issues of clean water are not addressed, what kind of problems could we see, not just in the United States, but globally, as as large communities can't get access to clean water, can't get access to sanitary water?
2: I think that's a good question. I don't think you have to be a sci- sci-fi fan to to envision that that is on the horizon right now. Water is going to be an issue. And they just started trading water on the stock market. That that really concerns me. And I was actually at a think tank meeting a few years ago, and I raised alarm there because there were people that were excited about the fact they were buying up land around the world so that they can control water sources. And there was a discussion over the fact that in a lot of places, there's no groundwater plan. What they're looking for Is to be able to control groundwater. Say you buy the property, like in California, you can buy the property, but you don't have the oil. You don't own the oil underneath it. They want to do the. Some people want to do the same thing with water. So this is something that need we need to watch because we can see already, based on the the lack of access to so many other things that people of color and poor communities don't have. That if the few people control water sources around the world that make it so expensive that the only people that can get it would be those that can afford it.
1: Uh, Catherine, you've worked with Democrats and Republicans. I mean, like on all sides, you've worked with former Vice President Al Gore, current uh, White House climate czar John Kerry. You've even worked with Bernie Sanders. You work with Jeff Sessions, who's the last person on the planet who I would ever think would care anything about the struggles of rural black people. So I got to ask you, when you're dealing with these powerful political leaders in and out of office when they come to you and say what can i do to help what's the first thing that you tell them
2: well generally what has happened um it's been different different times when i got involved with jeff sessions the way it happened i just happened to be at a town hall meeting i was the economic development coordinator for the county and i attended this town hall meeting he was a u.s senator and he talked about the type of grants that were available and then i asked the question Um, you you mentioned these grants, but how do poor communities get access to them if they have to pay a match? And he came to me afterwards and and said, you know, I've always wanted to know the answer to that. I'm from Wilcox County, Alabama. I grew up poor. We didn't have a television in our house until I was 10 years of age. That's how we started our conversation. You know, we had to be human first. And and from that point, he was very helpful because I was trying to get... um, Hyundai had decided it was going to locate in Alabama, Montgomery. And at that time, when they decided to locate there, the state officials weren't taking them to Lowndes County at all. When they had the groundbreaking ceremony, everybody was from East Alabama, and there was nobody uh, with a shovel that was Black. And all the Black people kind of huddled together, and everybody was saying, Lowndes County is right over there. Why is there nobody here from Lowndes County with a shovel? Why aren't they, you know, you need to deal with that. So ultimately... I was able to recruit, help recruit two tier one suppliers to uh, Hyundai to Lowndes County, but we needed the infrastructure. We didn't have, um, we didn't have industrial development parks or anything like that. And Senator Sessions was very helpful in that. In terms of Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders actually came to visit Lowndes County. Um, he went to the home of, of Pamela Rush, who I write about in my book, and I, I felt that you cannot understand inequality unless you see it for yourself. So to come into her home and see how she was living in a dilapidated mobile home that she was still owed money on that did not appreciate in value, which she was straight piping and living with two children, one child sleeping on a CPAP machine. Bernie Sanders said to me, Catherine, I now understand when you talk about the intersection of climate change and environmental justice and racial justice. I told him when he came, told his. I didn't tell him, I told his people, I have to plan this trip because I want to make sure it's not going to be a photo op. He's going to actually go and see people and and, and see the situation so that he can know what kind of policies we need to have in place to address this. So I received a call uh, last summer after he came. um, And they basically said to me, Catherine said that he was going to bring help. And this is where he's going to bring help. He is going to appoint you to serve on a committee because he and Biden were talking that time. He he was withdrawing from the race. Uh, the presidential race. And he said, we're going to ask you to serve on this climate change committee that's going to be co-chaired by John Kerry and AOC. And I got a chance to serve on that committee. And I, and we were talking about climate change, but I put environmental justice, which was very easy to do when George Floyd protests were taking place in the streets at this time. And, and as a result, I mean, now the federal government is looking at equality throughout all of the federal agencies through the lens of environmental justice. So I I didn't have an ask other than for him to come and see. And then once he saw and he was looking at what resources or what ways he could potentially help, and it has led to a shift in government policy that I could not have even imagined when I made that request for him to come and see.
1: For people who aren't political leaders and aren't activists and don't live in these particular communities, But, you know, I'm living in suburban Detroit. I'm in New York. I'm in central Indiana, and we may or may not have this issue. What can I do right here, right now, after this podcast to make a difference on these issues?
2: Well, first of all, I want to just let people know that these issues are throughout the United States. In Detroit, for an example, uh, because of the water shutoffs there, when they shut off the water, They're also shutting off your access to sanitation. You can't flush the toilet. So these are problems throughout the United States. Uh, What we're doing, we have engaged the Center for Rural Enterprise and Environmental Justice have partnered with The Guardian. Uh, And we're actually doing a year-long series on wastewater problems throughout the U.S. And as part of that, we're asking people to go to the site uh, and actually self-report because the government doesn't have figures on who has wastewater issues and who doesn't. We're looking for three different things. We're looking for people to self-report if they're straight piping, self-report if they have a failed septic system, and self-report if they have a failed wastewater treatment facility. So what has happened as a result of this, we're doing a series of stories around the country. You're going to be surprised when you see these stories of people that have come forward to talk about uh, the wastewater issues that they're seeing around the U.S. So I would suggest to those of you that are listening, to start in your own areas there is no state in the United States of America that does not have a wastewater problem.
1: Catherine, thank you so very much. We will make sure that we put a link so that people can self-report their water and sanitation issues in a word podcast show notes. Catherine Coleman Flowers is the author of Waste, One Woman's Fight Against America's Dirty Secret and a winner of a 2020 MacArthur Genius Award. Thank you so much for joining us on a word.
2: Thank you for having
1: me. And that's a word. For this week, if you're enjoying A Word, please subscribe, rate, and review. Did you know you could be listening to this show ad-free? All it takes is a Slate Plus membership. It's just $1 for the first month, and it also helps us keep making our podcast. Sign up now at slate.com slash a word plus. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Ayana Angel and Jasmine Ellis. Asha Saluja is the managing producer of Podcasts at Slate. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer of Podcasts at Slate. June Thomas is senior managing producer of the Slate Podcast Network. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for Word.